Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it is a privilege to be able to come to my congregation as well as to our extended Saints Network family and wish you all a very merry and happy and blessed Christmas. And these are triumphant days. We have been in the very palm of the hand of the Lord during this year that has, um, <laughs> that has paraded in front of our very eyes with one outrageous uh, scenario after another. But yet through it all, God has protected us. He has provided for us. He has prepared us, and now he is ready to present us for the year that is ahead. I'm not saying that there aren't going to be issues. I want to give you a newsflash. We are going to continually, as saints, have to be overcomers. And in order to be an overcomer, you've got to have something to overcome. And um, there will be challenges but through them all, we walk in confidence. We do not walk in fear. We are enjoying the, the blessing of the Lord. We're enjoying health and strength. And we are waiting on him for his direction so that we can follow. And so that's where we are in, um, in the turning point of the calendrical year from 2020 into 2021. And what I've just said is a mouthful, but it's a prophetic declarative, and it's just where we are. I mean, I know it's Christmas two days from now. I should be telling stories about gathering before a warm fireplace with the flickering lights of the Christmas trees and all the gifts and presents from loved ones that we've received and that we have prepared for them. And we should have in the background... Uh, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ the Savior is born on Christmas Day. Uh, that, that should be the setting. And we do cherish this holiday time, but we have work to do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring a word that I know God wants us to share today. I don't intend at the inception of this broadcast to speak for very long because I know it's Christmas and the likelihood of people actually listening to this is, is, is dismal. So for those of you uh, who are stalwart and are listening, this is uh, a, a continuing proclamation of what God is asking us to do in these days. So I recognize all of that. I want to give one announcement now, and I'll give an announcement at the end of the broadcast, and in between we'll have the meat of the word of the Lord. Don't forget that uh, for my congregation here in Dallas, there is a Zoom Christmas gathering later on today. Consult the email that was sent out uh, by my daughter Kelly. And tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, at 6 o'clock Dallas time, 
we will be presenting a family-oriented uh, Christmas Eve candlelight communion service from here at the Father's Church. And if you'd like to tune into that, I don't envision it being very long, maybe hour tops. Um, it's 6 o'clock again. Uh, we will live stream it, and um, you can either join us live or you can peruse it on Christmas Day or whenever you'd like. But I know that many of you are uh, in a quarantine situation, especially those in Europe, and it might be helpful to you to have a window uh, outside of your little God-protected uh, world and to see and be with people who are your family spiritually might be a, a blessing for you. So this is why we're doing what we're doing on Christmas Eve. So to my congregation, don't forget about the Zoom tonight. And uh, to all of our Saints family, it's uh, Christmas Eve is available for you. Six o'clock Dallas time. Christmas Eve. Okay. All right. So again, I mean, people get confused. I'm going to say one more thing. The Zoom thing tonight is for the congregation who are specifically members, part of this church in Dallas. At some point, we have to have something that is more congregation-concentric. Every church body has to have their own measure of integral identity. We love everybody, just for the most part. Everything else we do is just wide open because that's what God's called us to do. So some of you say, how do I get in on this Christmas Zoom to, on Wednesday night? Well, this is for this congregation here in Dallas. Tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, is wide open for everybody. So don't feel dejected. God bless you. But I'm saving myself and others from a bunch of questions. So that's, that's the deal. Okay. Sunday morning passed. The Lord had us discuss Mary's keeping and pondering, and then we equated it with so many illustrations through the Scripture of that principle of how to overcome. And we we uh, we used in the Old Testament a uh, a link in Isaiah 61, which uh, the first three verses were Jesus' first sermon that he preached when God gave him the approval of timing, of divine timing, to do, um, to begin his ministry. So um, we got through the, the part about the spirit of heaviness and how it is dispelled and driven away by the garment of praise. I'm not going to re-preach that now. You can hear it on archive. Please do that. But I intended to speak about the, the end part of verse 3 that speaks about that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And I was just about to go into that, and I felt the Lord direct me in a different way, and I felt this is for today. This is for Wednesday Night Live. 
Now, this business of us being called the trees of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, is a very important thing for us because it, first of all, really details what the spirit of heaviness comes to try to keep us from doing and being. You know, because it says, uh, you know, you're, you're anointed. It tells about what you're supposed to do. And then it says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And it says that they might. We have to keep our perspective uh, of what God has done, what he said, what he's doing. We draw, And we praise him for what he has promised. And that should do away with the spirit of heaviness or the loss of perspective. And when and as we do that, the result is that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And then it goes on to these powerful things, that they build the old wastes, that they raise up the former desolations, that they repair the waste cities and desolations of many generations and, and so forth, which is powerful. It's it's what we're called to do as, as pneumatikos saints around the world. But what does it mean to be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord? Well, first of all, that they may be called, this is our old friend Kara, Q-A-R-A, which we've taught on many times before. And it is used as uh, to describe the call of the partridge. And the, the teaching goes that you have accepted a calling from God for something that has potential, an egg, as it were. And you accept responsibility for that nest of possibility. And uh, it wasn't yours to begin with. Uh, it, it belonged to another, but yet you then are taking responsibility and you lift your voice there as the partridge would. That's a very interesting and a very powerful teaching. And the Spirit of the Lord could have used any other number of terms that, uh, that you might be described or that you might be identified or that you might be uh, characterized. He could have used all kinds of terms, but instead it says that you might be called and uses that really unique term, which means a selfless act of assuming a duty that was not yours on behalf of the greater good of the one who did the planting of the egg or the nest or whatever the case might be. Trees of righteousness. The tree here, nothing really revelatory about it. It, it just means a tall and imposing arboreal planting, a big tree, a strong tree. Uh, derivations of this word uh, identify the pillar of the temple of the Lord, which is kind of interesting. But um, you're a tree in that way of righteousness, of vision. Righteousness, what is it from the Scripture? Righteousness is not that you're a cool dude. Righteousness, the root of righteousness is vision in the Old Testament. And 
the first issuance of righteousness was when God showed Abram all of those things in the sky and the sands of the sea and all of these things that God said. And, and Abram believed God. He, he heard what God said at the right hand, Amon. And he believed. And God said, this is righteousness. And Abram became the friend of God. This is righteousness. What, would, what did God just describe? God speaking to Abram about something that seemed outrageously impossible. A promise, as it were. Abram looked at all of these different things in the sky and, I mean, visually saw it. And he believed. And God said, that's what righteousness is. And the root term of righteousness, of tzedakah, is vision. So, trees of righteousness, which direct and indicate the planting of the plan of God, or Yahweh. That you might be called. You see, look at this. The spirit of heaviness tries to dim the eyes. That's what that word means. To occlude, like the God of this world does in the, in the New Testament. And you dispel that dimming and that diminishing so that you might accept a calling and a responsibility of, of the, the directive and the plan of Yahweh to be a tree of vision. You do away with the enemy attempt to block your perception so that you might hear the calling according to the planning of God and establish something strong and mighty according to the vision of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That, that's just amazing. And then because of that, the old wastes, the former desolations, repairing the waste cities, the desolations of many generations, strangers standing and feeding your flocks, you, you named the priests of the Lord. Men will call you ministers of Elohim. You'll eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory, you'll boast yourself. For your shame, you have double. For confusion, they'll rejoice in their portion. On it goes, powerfully. It reminds me of what we talked about regarding the former and the latter rain from last week, where we received the former rain. Uh, we received it moderately. Remember what that teaching was. The former means more, it's, it's the archer or the teacher. And we received it moderately or tzedakah, righteousness. This is the planting of the Lord. It's God reveals things as we uh, are in an intercession, covenant relationship with him. We perceive it, we believe it. It's according to his plan. This constitutes the former reign. And, you know, the, the planning of the Lord, the planning of Yahweh in these old wastes and former desolations is something that God is continuing to do. We have seen God connect the saints with places throughout so many parts of the world I would say all over the world, but I, I don't, I'm not aware. We, we did, it like in China, I, I'm not aware. I, I, I was privileged to stand in many places and declare and pray in China. We sent a lot of information many years ago to a woman who was an evangelist, a Chinese national, 
We sent it through Hong Kong. I don't know in the underground church what's gone on there. I don't know. But as far as I know, we don't have any operative prayer groups. We have them in the Philippines. We have them in, I don't know about Malaysia. I know that the Harrisons ministered there. Some of these places you plant the seed and you don't know what happened to them. But I would say all over the world, and I suspect that's the case, but I don't really know. I don't know what happened in the hundreds and hundreds of pastors and teachers and schools that have witnessed in India the saints, the elemental saint school and what our brother Ratnakumar uh, has sown in those connections with the Wesleyans and the Anglicans and the, the Church of Southern India and, uh, and probably in Northern India. I, I don't know. We've been in Northern India, but our main roots were in Bangalore in the south as, as the ministry extended. I could go around the world, Western Africa, and in Ghana, and in Benin, and in Togo, and in Nigeria. I, I don't know what Faladin's increase has, has netted from the uh, Nation's Prayer and Fasting Network. And I don't know what... I, we sowed a, a great number of our of our pneumaticos books into brothers and sisters in Liberia and in Niger. And we basically gave them the right to print and teach and sow that. I don't know where that went. God directs those seeds. But the planting of Yahweh according to his plan, and again, for those of you who've either been asleep or, or newbies, there's a difference between the dimension of God as Elohim, which is the heart of God, the emotion, not emotional, the integral relationship point, Elohim, and the plan of God, Yahweh. They're not two little gods. They're not two separate entities. The Lord, our God, uh, Yahweh, Elohim, is one. That's the bumper sticker of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But the planting of God, so you've got the heart, you've got the parets parats, you've got the lover and the warrior, you've got the, uh, the heart of righteousness and the planting therein according to the plan of God. It's so wonderful, it's so symmetrical, it just fits perfectly. But we've seen the planting of the Lord and continue to do so. You know, a little later today, I'll be privileged to connect with our brother Yawali and we'll reach out to the nation of Brazil and give a message of the week. We, we met last night with a, a lovely couple from uh, Luciano's church in Sao Paulo. They are from Argentina. They have a ministry where they work in a television, Christian television station in Sao Paulo, and they translate messages from if I remember correctly, 125 different nations in all those languages. I don't know what God's going to do. We'll be doing a an interview with them uh, in uh, the second Saturday of January. It's going to be a New Year's broadcast, and I'm going to be declaring things. Um, they said that their main base, listen to this, listen to this, is in Brazil, even though it's going to be in Spanish, but in 
Ecuador, which is on the western coast, right below Colombia, of South America, in Portugal, in Argentina, and in Italy. You say, well, Italy, what's that? Well, if you ever go to Brazil, you'll see that the Portuguese influence is obviously there from colonial times, but Italians think, okay, let me, let me tell you about a couple of our, of our pastors. Luciano Muniz, Italian. Marcello Barretto, let it sing, Barretto, Italian. Uh, it's through those seafaring days where the Italians would come, and uh, whether it was uh, Columbus or Cristo Colombo, or whoever the Italian explorers that linked up with Portugal and then spread out. So God has opened a door to South America, Ecuador, a new nation that will be preached there, Italy, Portugal, Argentina, Brazil, and even in the United States. Uh, there's, there's a number of people who listen to this broadcast in, in our good old country here. So all I'm saying is that the planting of Yahweh is vision-oriented. It's not by us meeting in a conference room and saying, we've got to expand this ministry. We've got to expand this. What do we do? Let's lay out a five-year plan like the Russians do. And uh, let's, let's mobilize like the Chinese how we're going to be the dominant culture and economy and military by this year. It's the planting of the Lord. There's a way that seems right in the man, but the end thereof is destruction. My ways are not your ways. We want to be trees of righteousness, righteous vision, but it's the planting of God's plan. So we come with that understanding to where we are at the beginning of this new year. And the assignment that was given a week ago on this very broadcast. And that we will be revisiting in some ways this weekend and leading into New Year's Eve. We're, we're, we've asked for our Saints Network churches and prayer groups and individuals to just go before the Lord and in a shawl an intimate relationship, the king, king's ask of me privilege. Zechariah 10, this is how you ask. Ask me for the, for the, for the latter rain. That's what God said in its Sha'ah. It is that intimate thing. It's where etymologically we get our word shawl. It's how we're known. It's the, the, the comfort garment where only the, the ones closest to the king or the leader knows. And this is where we commune with God. Pastor, I don't see how that word links. Well, just use your head a little bit. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I, we've played this game before. I mean, if you see something that is just throughout many different cultural expressions— you know, and you think, well, how did colloquially that word evolve? How did that happen? Well, you know, I was hearing about in uh, Alan Dershowitz's podcast, I was hearing about uh, there's a, a move throughout Western Europe, particularly Switzerland and other places, to ban the production of halal foods. 
and it is it is speculated that it's for animal rights even though um, the uh, the production of halal foods is very directly linked with with specific religious standards and it's one of the most humane ways of of killing an animal for food consumption but at the same time they're not banning hunting and it's suggested that the reason they're doing this is to prohibit the Muslims from coming into their countries. That's the understated thing. So I'm listening to this broadcast and I'm thinking, halal. What have we studied about halal? What have we studied about the enemy, Lucifer, halal? What have we studied about hallelujah? What have we studied about tahila? And it's all that you believe this thing and you adapt it, and you become it prophetically so that God would be glorified. And they just called their, their, um, their kosher consumption halal because that's the most demonstrable thing they do every day in their eating to glorify either, either Elohim, Yahweh, or Allah. How did that word get there? Is it the same word? Well, if it's Jews and Aramaic um, uh, Arabs using the word, you would have to think that it's there. Sometimes you just have to get out of your own way. So the, the point, though, is that we are, we are seeing that the way you ask for the latter rain, which is two things, what the rain that is needed for harvest to help bolster the harvest immediately prior to when it's going to be reaped, to give that last burst before the reaping comes. The way you ask for that is, first of all, you have been careful to observe as sons and as pneumaticos teachers the planting of the Lord according to righteousness. That's the former rain. This is scripture. This isn't me making this up. But the way you bring the latter rain is through Sha'al. So the former rain, righteousness, being a son, teaching and applying what God has said in the places God has said to do it, in the ways God has said to do it, and the way you bring about the harvest is Sha'al asking. So we said from last week through this week, let's go before the Lord as individuals in your Sha'al relationship. Ask of me, the Bible says. And what better time to do it? Isaiah met with Ahaz and said, ask the Lord a sign. And that corrupt king said, I'm not asking, I'm not Sha'aling God anything. I saw what he did to my grandfather, Uzziah. I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with him. What bitterness. And Isaiah got, he got, he got hard in his response. As Robert Fulton would say, he dealt with him with a sharp hand. And he said, you're not going to ask, but I will tell you. A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, Elohim with us. And why did he say that? Because Ahaz had rejected the Sha'al, 
which was his privilege and his duty as a king to commune with Elohim, to know God and lead the people and to make your your, uh, supplication known. That was the heart of Israel with Sarah's children in Elohim. But he wouldn't, this king wouldn't do it. And he said, there's one coming that will make it available for all. So the Sha'al is integral to the message of Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Uh, I, I changed keys there. <clears throat> I need some more coffee. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. There, that's better. And ransom captive Israel. You think a bunch of monks walking in the back of the cathedral banging their heads against a book while that tome is going forth. We must go into that secret place with God, knowing our place as kings and prophets and priests before our God's sons. And we ask for the latter rain, for the harvest. And that teaching was last Wednesday. That's what we're doing this week. And um, it's just a wonderful thing. So we have accepted the calling of the Lord to plant the planting of Yahweh, mighty, huge trees of righteous vision. And we have to dispel the occluded vision of the God of this world, that spirit of heaviness. And we, we do that by ex- assuming our mantle. Dare I say our mantle is, involves the Sha'al garment. And we, we, we speak forth the Tehillah, what God has said. We declare it prophetically. We, we embrace it. We, we say it. We have not forgotten it, just as Mary did not forget. And that in itself dispels the, the, the attempt of the enemy to keep us from seeing in righteous vision and remembering what God has said. And then God says that you will do your priestly function of accepting the mission that God has offered you. You willingly, freely die to self in this prophetic year and accept that. And you see the planting of Yahweh and you let that mighty tree grow. And through that, the desolate places will be redeemed. The ancient places. We're seeing that around the world. We're seeing that in the spirit realm. We're seeing that according to what God has promised. So that's where we are, and that message is inextricably linked to the coming of Jesus, Elohim, Emmanuel, with us. How about your life? Some of you, all of us, have had restrictions. Not as many here in Texas now as in so many other places. And part of the blessing of that quarantine is that you can be shut up, shut up with God in a secret place. What a blessing that is. Unless you don't see it that way. And you complain and instead of accepting the better scenario, you make it a bitter scenario. 
And then you're, you view things instead of possibilities and partnering with God and communing with God in the sweetness of his presence. You view it as a restriction and you hate it and you want to be free to do this and to do that. I know. I mean, there's always glass half full, glass empty. But for us in a spiritual way, what is God showing and what is the enemy trying to convey? If we've seen anything in this past year of political nonsense, you know, the president can say one thing and then there's spin merchants on the opposite end of the aisle who just make that seem like the most demonic thing in the world. The beautiful first lady of our country can wear a certain kind of shoes or a jacket and she's very stylish. If that had been Jacqueline Kennedy, it would have been all over Vogue magazine and triumphed up and down the Champs-Élysées in Paris. The Bouvier has done this. But the spin on it, oh, look how unwoke she is. What is she trying to say? This is terrible. See, the enemy always wants to twist. That's the heart of deception. That's the heart of of iniquity that twists purpose? Whose report will you believe? Are you in the planting of the Lord or are you just drifting with every wind of doctrine? This week where you are given the privilege of celebrating the coming of Jesus and do that with gusto because with the new regime, we may go right back into the woke mentality of not being permitted to say Merry Christmas. And whatever, which side of the aisle you're on, you have to admit that that was going on five, six years ago. I remember when I was a kid and people started writing Xmas instead of Christmas and the uproar that went on about that. Let's, let's just cross out Christ. Well, let's not even say it at all now. Let's just say holidays. Gee whiz. So enjoy this time and go before the Lord and ask him specifically, what do you want me to ask for regarding this new year in the time of the harvest? How do you want me to commune with you? What do you want to show me in vision? Now, you know, again, this is not a time for you to hear what everybody and their brother and sister on the Internet is prophesying. That is a machine. Now, by saying that, I'm not saying don't be aware. But don't let that be your... Don't stop at five fast food restaurants to snack on the opinions of everybody and their brother and sister and then show up at the table of the Lord filled with all that mess to where God, if God was speaking in the still small voice, you wouldn't hear it over your indigestion. Go before the Lord. Hear what he would say to you. Do you trust that God really loves you and that you have ears to hear as an ecclesia, as a church? We should do this. And we should ask God, for the latter rain, the rain of harvest. Maybe you should go back and listen to that message from a week ago. 
You're going to have some time this week. Find a time to commune with God and hear from Him. Give Him thanks, rejoice, celebrate the birth of our Lord, but hear and ask that the planting of the Lord might be accentuated now in its harvest and its fruitfulness for this coming year. Well, we're going to end the broadcast early. Like I said, I, I didn't want to presume upon you during this busy holiday season, but I'm asking you spend time with God and know that I didn't come up with this stuff. You know, this is what God has said in his word, which is the most important thing. It's inviolable. And do this as a rhema before God. The year ahead is going to be tremendous. We need God's specific direction. And uh, it's according to his plan. So I bless you. Uh, I'll look forward to seeing my congregation in just a few hours on Zoom. And to all the rest of you on Christmas Eve, join us or access it on archive. We're praying for you. God bless you. And Merry, Merry Christmas. Goodbye.